Tuesday was not the best day for the New York Mets as they drop all the way down to pick number 19 in the upcoming MLB draft. But hey, at least they signed a reliever, although it's one that the Braves non-tendered. We'll break it all down on today's edition. Locked on Mets. You are locked on Mets. Your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, we're making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. The winter meetings still have not really moved much. Not a lot has happened, but the Mets did sign a reliever. We'll talk about that in the first segment. Then in the second segment, I'll do a little bit on the MLB Draft Lottery, and then we'll just look at what the Mets can still accomplish with what's left of the winter meetings. And then in the final segment, I would like to touch on the young players on this team and why David Stearns wants to keep an open runway for them to be able to compete next season. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X, Ficklestein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Recording this show at 1 o'clock in the morning because I wanted to wait. I was waiting for news. It's the winter meetings. We're not supposed to have to get creative about what we talk about during the winter meetings. There's supposed to be transactions, stuff happening, big things to discuss. I spent half of my day refreshing Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, looking for the Eric Fetty news. Eric Fetty will not be a New York Met. He signed with the Chicago White Sox. That came I don't know, early in the evening, uh, Fetty gets a two-year, $15 million deal. Don't know if the Mets had an offer that strong for him. When we first heard about the Mets being a finalist yesterday, it was uh, two years, $10 million. That climbed all the way up to $15 million from the White Sox. So don't know if they put in a more aggressive offer, if the Mets set a line and it wasn't going to get to that number, or if Fetty had similar offers and ultimately chose the White Sox, which might make sense for a guy that got beat up really bad in the National League East for a long time. Why not go to the AL Central? A lot of big ballparks out there, a lot of bad lineups out there. Better place to find success. So I don't know if it was money or just situation that he chose the White Sox, but Fetty will not be a Met. So they got more work to do when it comes to their starting rotation. After that news passed again, I'm waiting. I'm waiting, right? The Yankees, they make a trade for Alex Verdugo. Then there are also all these reports. Is Verdugo going to get flipped in a Juan Soto trade? And who knows? As you all listen to this, maybe the Soto deal happens. But again, all of that's going on. You're just wondering, all right, are the Mets going to do anything? Finally, just before I thought about hitting record and just talking about the MLB draft lottery, which we'll get to in the next segment, the Mets made a move. A major league signing, not one of these minor league deals with an invite to spring training, an official Major league deal. Guy that's going to be on the active roster. That guy is Michael Tonkin. Now, it's not a bad signing. But Michael Tonkin, as your big ticket item through two days of the winter meetings, not necessarily the most sexy of names that you could have pulled. You know, a guy that was non-tendered by the Atlanta Braves. 
They're only going to have to pay him a million dollars. Non-tendered. But, oh, geez, my voice cracked there. Wow. Rewind that one on the audio side if you want to listen to that again. Woo! (laughs) One o'clock in the morning, people. Winter meetings. This has been such a boring winter meetings. Hey, hopefully stuff will pick up on uh, Wednesday here. But getting back to Tonkin, it's not a bad sign. The guy had a 4-2-8 ERA this past year. He pitched 80 innings and 45 appearances. He was used as a bulk reliever where you know they put him in there if they have a big lead or if they're getting beat bad. Kind of a garbage time guy, which you know can inflate your stats because you know if you're winning 10 to 2 and Michael Tonkin's in the game and you're the Braves and he gives up two runs, they're not gonna pull him. You're gonna keep him out there. Or even if you know he gets through a first inning where he threw 25 pitches, you're still gonna stick him back out there for another inning because you're looking for length. Tonkin. Has decent numbers. I mean, it's not someone that I'm blown away with, but it's, it's not a bad major league reliever. Uh, you know, this past year, he was basically sinker slider. That was the pitch mix that he had. You know, his ERA, like I said, was 428, but his expected ERA was uh, 390. So, you know, could be a little bit better than what the actual ERA was. He doesn't walk a lot of guys, throw strikes. It's not a bad guy to stick in your bullpen, but. It's not someone that, you know, you should be doing cartwheels for either. I mean, overall, if you look what the Mets have done this offseason, it has been underwhelming. There, there's no doubt about it. And as much as you can say it's a transition year, there's expectations from this fan base that Steve Cohen has created, right? And the way he has spent in his years of ownership, and the fact that the Mets have not said, hey, we're not going for it. I keep saying they're going to put a competitive team out there, but it feels time and time again like they're sort of dumpster diving. And again, this is not me knocking them. I trust David, I guess it sounds like it, it certainly does, but I trust David Stearns' process here. I do. <laughs> and I, I'm not going to say, hey, make a signing just to you know appease the fan base. But You do have to wonder if a move is going to happen over the next couple of days that will excite the fan base in some way. If they just come out of the winter meetings with Michael Tonkin and Michael A. Taylor, fans are going to be a little bit frustrated. But it's also the market right now. Like the market's not moving at all on the top. You know, Victor Carantini signed today. Um, Some relievers signed outside of just Tonkin. A couple other relievers moved. And Fetty was like the biggest signing of the day. And the Mets ran on him and he goes to the White Sox. So it's more of, you know, a reflection of the industry right now, where we're at with this winter meetings. It's not just a Mets thing, but, and really, I mean, look, they've been very active on, on the market when it comes to the waivers, the minor league signings and you know, getting Severino was like in the scope of this off season, one of the bigger moves that's been made so far. Cause there just hasn't been a lot that's been um, done by any team. At the same time, I see Michael Tonkin and I can't help but be disappointed. Also, I got to say, leaves me a little bit concerned because I came out and I was pretty bold with the fact that, that the Mets were going to get Brent Suter this offseason. And Suter is a guy that can give you multiple innings of relief. So I'm hoping that Tonkin does not take them out of the Suter sweepstakes. Although I don't know if there'll be a sweepstakes for a uh, you know mid-30s reliever. But we'll see what happens. Um, 
as much as I led the story off with the signing of the day, I think probably the biggest news when it comes to you know, the franchise moving forward is the fact that they got completely screwed in the uh, MLB draft lottery. Uh, end up at pick number 19. We'll talk about that a little bit. And then, you know, what's left to, to uh, be done in the winter meeting. So a lot more to discuss. We'll get to it all in a minute. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. We come to sports to escape from the crazy realities of life, but can we talk for just a minute about being prepared for tough situations? Whether you're on extended travel or you're bracing for a major weather event or you're just limited by yet another supply shortage, you need to be covered when it comes to your health. Thanks to our partners at Jace Medical, they're now providing life-saving antibiotics and a long list of daily medications that can be ordered in a one-year supply. That even includes ED generics like Cialis and Viagra. Jace Medical has the Jace case, which provides you with five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial infections, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. You want to make sure you're prepared. My wife and I, when we travel, we always make sure we bring our Jace case with us. If you want to be prepared with Jace Medical, visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com, use the offer code Locked On to get $20 off your order. Hopefully the third day of the winter meetings will bring some action for the New York Mets. And if you don't want to miss out on any of the reports or rumors swirling about your favorite team, make sure you become a Locked On Mets insider. This is our texting service where you can get updates from me about everything going on with the Mets. It's been great to get to know some of the everyday listeners a little bit better. You can ask me questions. We can go back and forth. It's been a lot of fun. If you want to become a Locked On Mets insider, you can find the link in the episode description or go to subtext.com slash Locked On Mets. Now, the draft lottery was tonight, and there was hopes that the Mets had done enough tanking after the deadline that they could squeak into the top six where their draft pick would be protected from their luxury tax penalties. And unfortunately, that was not the case. They fell to nine at first. Other teams snuck ahead of them by winning in the lottery. And the Mets went from, I think, what was it, the seventh or the eighth best odds to win the lottery and they end up with the ninth pick, which then turns into the 19th pick as their first-round pick drops 10 slots. Not a good day for the New York Mets when it comes to the draft. Uh, you obviously hoped that this was the one opportunity that they would be able to get into the lottery uh, because the idea is the Mets would hopefully be competitive over the next couple of years, and they wouldn't have uh, as good of odds to sneak in there as they might have this year. But it is what it is. You fall. I think the fact that the Mets have gotten so much better, I believe, as an organization when it comes to um, you know being able to hopefully draft talent and, and develop talent, I think the, the development is what they need to improve upon more than drafting. They've actually done pretty well in the draft. They can find a, a good player at 19. It's not the end of the world. It just sucks because <laughs> you were hoping that they would crack that top six or, hey, maybe even – you know, end up in the top three or, you know, the top two. Maybe they'd have the number one overall pick and it'd be uh, just a great stroke of luck for the Mets. It wasn't. They dropped down. 
think it's pick 19 and 46 and you know, they could lose pick 46 if they're to sign someone uh, with a qualifying offer. But regardless, their second round pick would have dropped if their first round pick didn't. So either way, they were going to get penalized. It is what it is. That was uh, what you have to suffer through to enjoy having Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander on your team in 2023. And, you know, next year having their money still in the books. Let's look at the winter meetings as a whole, though. And I'm going to go here and refresh the timeline to see if there's anything new. Oh, we got a, a, a salary on Tonkin. Uh, $1 million, according to Mike Puma of the New York Post. Um, it has actually a split contract. All right. So it'll be prorated over the time that Tonkin spends on the big league roster. That makes it better. Okay. This is just like, uh, what was it? Austin Adams. Okay. A split contract makes the deal better. They report that it's a major league deal. Split contract means less risk, right? They don't have to be on the big league roster and they give you more flexibility. Look, David Stearns, he's adding a ton of pitching to, to you know, basically the, competition that will be there in spring training. And I have confidence that the Mets are going to figure out the bullpen. I still hope that they add an arm, somebody that, you know, has some name recognition, whether that's bringing David Robertson back, if they can get into the mix on Jordan Hicks. Uh, you know, I still love my Brent Suter pick. Suter, come on to the Mets. We'll see. But I, I hope there is a real setup man that gets at it at some point. That's one of the things that could get done uh, on Wednesday. If there is a signing, I would predict right now, based on what we've heard, my guess would be Michael A. Taylor. Like I feel like that would be the move that would be made at the winter meetings by the Mets. Eduardo Rodriguez is there, and it seems like he's a guy that should get signed during the winter meetings. But there's been sort of, you know, differing reports there on oh, if on the Mets interest on Rodriguez. So we'll see. We'll see. You know, again, Stearns, you know, had an appearance on MLB on uh, the Mets hot stove. Uh, and he said some interesting things. You know, one of them was about the DH. He sort of talked up DJ Stewart, and Mark Vientos to potentially fill that role. The Mets are sitting in an interesting spot, which we've you know kind of harped on continuously here where, they're trying to be opportunistic, but you're also not in the position where you want to sacrifice, you know, future flexibility in a manner of different ways, whether that's long-term money on the books, whether that's, um, you know, blocking one of your young players who could potentially serve a role moving forward. And you just don't identify it properly because of that. So as we look at what the Mets have to do with this winter meetings, like, yes, they got to add pitching and you know, Tonkin's a nice ad, so to speak. Um, if they would have got Fetty, it would have been a good signing. They're in the mix on Lucas Giolito. That's been reported. Jordan Montgomery, they have interest in as well. You know, I'd like to see the Mets get a, a starting pitcher that they could pencil into the top four, at least in their rotation where, you know, you have Quintana and Sanga already. Get another guy in that top four. Um, and obviously, everything is sort of hinged on, hinging on, and, and all of the weight right now really is tied to Yoshinobu Yamamoto. That is where the Mets want to park a large portion of their budget that they're going to be spending this offseason. 
And if they get Yamamoto, it's going to be a successful offseason regardless of what else they do. But in the meantime, it'd be great to see the Mets make some moves. Hopefully there's an established reliever. Maybe it's Michael A. Taylor to help improve that outfield defense. And then if, you know, not that, obviously the best thing would be a quality starting pitcher. I just don't know if the market's going to move. It feels like the market is just all being blocked up by Shohei Otani, by Yoshinobu Yamamoto, and also by Scott Boris and all of his clients. Because if Scott Boris is waiting for Otani to move before he gets Chapman, J.D. Martinez, and Reese Hoskins signed, that holds all the other parts of the market up. If he's waiting for Otani to uh, you know, sign and Soto to get traded, which is another one of his clients, before he gets Bellinger signed, that might also be holding up Jung-Hoo Lee. So th- there's just so much that is causing this market to stagnate, and we're left just waiting for stuff. And it's one of those winter meetings that's just extremely frustrating for fans who, you know, got excited like I did and I'm sure all you did to see some some news, some transaction, to see the league change. But at this current rate, we might just uh, see the winter meeting come to pass and all the news will still be waiting for the future for the coming weeks, I guess, after this. When those big guys fall and maybe the rest of the dominoes will drop after that. What I want to talk about in the final segment, though, is what's in-house right now because Stearns has been alluding to some of these things and how much time do you have to leave open to the players coming up? So we'll get to that in a minute. First, though, another word from our sponsors. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for your 24-7 coverage of all the top stories of sports that day with local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Okay. The New York Mets have a lot of young players that are going to get some opportunities this year. David Stearns has made it clear that he wants those guys to have the chance to compete at the big league level. He said, you need to find out what you have. So as much as we're looking at this offseason, that's a time for the Mets to get better, to be able to compete, to go into the next season with the hopes of making the playoffs. I do think it is pretty clear that they are envisioning their World Series window opening after this season, 2025, 2026, 2027. This is not a full transition year, but you need to accomplish some of those things. And he mentioned how Stearns did, how the best teams have the established veterans and then the young talent that brings the excitement. And it's interesting because I feel like if David Stearns was running the Mets this past year, we would have seen the Mets operated in a much different manner. I don't think Daniel Vogelback would have been force-fed into the lineup. Like that was a Billy Epler move in retrospect. And I think at some point Stearns would have sent down the order to put Mark Vientos in the lineup every day and see what you have at DH. And hey, you can hate Mark Vientos. You can think Mark Vientos is just a a terrible player, right? You can look at 
the numbers on his career. I'm going to pull them up right now. Uh, he's sitting through now parts of two seasons. 81 games played in the big leagues. He struck out 30% of the time, a little over that. Has walked at a 5.5% clip. That's not good. He's hit 205. He has a 255 on base percentage and a 354 slugging percentage. His career OPS is coming in at 610. That's pretty rough, right? But let's look at his season last year. You know, he did not get consistent playing time until we got to August. After the deadline, suddenly, you know, Mark Fiantos got in the lineup, but he didn't have the best August. He certainly didn't. But he had a really good September. So he takes his lumps in August. He hit 169, 191 on base, 262 slug. Gets to September, October. Not a drastic difference. 230 hitter, 280 on base. Not great, but a lot better than the numbers he had put up previously. But he had a 460 slugging percentage, which made his WRC plus measures hitters based on a league average of 100, a 101 mark. Not incredible, but league average. And he hit six home runs that month. Mark Vientos, if he's getting consistent playing time, and he can hit six home runs per month. Now, you're not going to do that every single month of the season, but let's just say you do that four times as the primary DH. Looking at a 24 home run seed and you hit a couple more. You know, this guy does have 30 home run pop at the big league level. I believe he can get there. But the question is just going to be, is he going to hit 210 and get on base at a 270 clip while he hits that many home runs? And if that's the case, obviously you can't be playing him, but you need to find out what you have. And I think oh, the Mets could send Mark Fientos down to trade and Maybe there is a deal that makes sense where Vientos is a piece that's a sweetener for another team where they like him and it moves the needle a little bit, but he's not going to get you the starting pitcher to bolster your rotation or a top end, you know, setup man or closer to pair with Edwin Diaz. He doesn't have that level of value. You can go out this offseason and you can sign the JD Martinez, so to speak, right? You could go out and spend $25 million maybe on a one year deal because I think you have to probably pay a little more to get him to sign there as opposed to going to a team that has a better path to contend, right? You can do that, and your team would be better. But with the New York Mets with a shoddy rotation get to the playoffs because they have Martinez in the lineup? Not necessarily. Mark Vientos, if you let him play out this season and get 450 plate appearances, right? What if he can find a way to replicate what he did in AAA over the last two years? Because look at his AAA numbers in 2022. Hit 280, 358 on base, 519 slug, had 24 home runs. That was in 101 games, 427 plate appearances. He walked over 10% of the time. Then this past year, 2023 in AAA, it was 61 games, walked 10.8% of the time. So the walk rate stayed the same, but he cut the strikeout rate by 7% down to 21.6. He hit 306, got on base at a 387 clip. He slugged at a 612 clip, had 16 home runs in 61 games. If he can you know, find a way to tap into that average, to get on base at a better clip, to continue to drive the baseball, all of a sudden you have so much more clarity. That's clarity that's going to help you when you have to make your decision on Pete Alonso next offseason. When you decide, you know, which other free agents to sign, if you re-sign Alonzo 
Do you need a DH or is Mark Vientos a cost control DH? And those same questions need to be answered on Brett Beatty and on Ronnie Mauricio. And even further down the line, you could see a world where Luis and Helicuna could push his way to the big leagues, where Drew Gilbert could push his way to the big leagues. So keeping the position player deck fairly clean, you know, maybe adding guys like Joey Wendell and Michael A. Taylor, I sort of see the vision that David Stearns could have. Now, hey, maybe they go out and they make a bigger signing on the position player front. But I- I've been you know, talking about this since the end of the season that the Mets could sort of stay internal. You know, DJ Stewart's a perfect example of this where he's coming in at, you know, I think now it's $1.38 million. So it ended up being cheap to retain him. He gives you another option. So you have a guy, if Marte's not available, Stewart can play some outfield. If Vientos is not hitting or not available, whatever it is, you have another DH option in house where, you know, you might be able to get by, but you need to leave that runway for your young players to succeed. And the Mets this year, make no mistake about it. They will try to contend. They won't if their young players don't arrive. Alvarez, he showed up last year, but he wasn't consistent. You need a consistent version of Francisco Alvarez, who's clearly the starting catcher. He's the one guy that has earned the job. You need Brett Beatty or Ryan Riso to grab that third base job. You need Mark Vientos to give you something at DH. You hope that you know, either Gilbert or Acuna can come up and provide a spark midseason and end up in a starting role in the outfield or at second base if it's Acuna pushing McNeil to a spot in the outfield where maybe they need to replace a Marte or a Stewart or whatever it ends up being. The youth is going to really make or break this season probably. And I think the reason why all of the focus is on pitching right now is because there is not that youth that the Mets can test out. Yeah, you have a Mike Vassell who's in AAA. Uh, you know, you have Blade Tidwell and Christian Scott in double-A as well as Tyler Stewart. And if Jawander Suarez doesn't get picked in the Rule 5 draft, he's an option. There are arms. Don't get me wrong. Justin Jarvis as well. But none of those guys are you saying, hey, we want them to have the ball, you know, in, in the opening day rotation. That's not where the Mets are at. But on – and also the fact is, too, pitching is so volatile that – there's a good chance that you're able to still give those guys some opportunities just you know, by the nature of injuries alone. The position player front, I would not be holding my breath on a big signing. I think the idea of Michael A. Taylor, for example, it's getting a guy that doesn't have to start, but when he does start, he does something really well. He's going to help your pitching staff because he's going to be running down fly balls. And if you have you know, Michael A. Taylor and, and Brandon Nimmo out there, your outfield defense is going to be significantly better. If you end up in a place where all of a sudden Marte isn't healthy and then it's Jeff McNeil, Nemo, and Michael A. Taylor, your defense is going to be great in the outfield. And then maybe, you know, whether it's Acuna or Mauricio at second base, whether it's Beatty or Mauricio at third, like the infield can end up, you know, being you know, uh, an influx of youth that will handle those positions and you get yourself to a team that's pretty competent. So, I'm not concerned about the position players, but as we wind down the last day and a half of the winter meetings here, they got to add some pitching. And I really hope that they get some arm that we can really sink our teeth into and be excited about. And I would have been excited about Eric Fetty. I really would have been. 
So that shows you where my bar is, right? If they sign a Seth Lugo or a Lucas Giolito, just somebody that I can trust to make 25 starts this year, I'll be pretty happy with the results of this winter meetings because my expectations, the bar that I had of where I hope the Mets might get to and the transactions they could make, I just don't know if it's going to happen at this point. You never know. The trade market has been a little more active. Maybe the Mets swing a trade that we're not expecting. We'll just have to wait and see. But if you don't want to miss out on any of the news, make sure you become a Locked On Mets insider. You can find the link in the episode description. Follow me on X at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Wherever you get your podcast, make sure you're following, you rate and review. Subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. And also, now that you're done with the show, check out the first ever 24-7 streaming channel on sports with Locked On Sports today. From local experts to our league-wide experts, there is everything you could want when it comes to your sports coverage. They're on YouTube 24-7 at Locked On Sports today.